you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. of his spirit tonight thank you for being here I want to give honor to those that is due there's so much work that goes into this and so many people here I've never seen a church that believes as much in in their young people as this church right here why don't we give our leadership a hand thank you brother Brandon thank you sister Ashley for the investment thank you sister Cheryl for investing so many others pastor of course I want to give him honor as well as my wife pastor's wife. You don't have to be in a rush tonight. And I know that you you need to get home and get safe and whatever. Like I said, if you need to go, you can go. But some of us have short drives. (laughs) I don't think we need to get in too terribly much of a rush tonight. I feel like the the Lord does want to speak to us. Brother David, this might be the only time I ever say this, but monitors are a little hot. (laughs) It's a good problem. Thank you. Um, I do feel that the Spirit of the Lord is here tonight, and He wants to meet with us. And I just want to meet with Him. I just want to meet with Him. I don't want to go through 40 days of consecration at the beginning of the year and move on to the other 
320 and not experience him until next year. That's not what, I'm not interested in that. And I don't think I'm surrounded with people that are here for themselves, but we are here for the Lord. Amen. Does anybody agree with that? Is anybody here for the Lord? Beautiful when there is complete unity in a room. Um, very few times in my life do I feel like I've really experienced total unity in a group of people. I've been on a lot of sports teams. I've been in a lot of classrooms. I've uh, done a lot of things with a lot of people. And aside from family events, it's very rare that you get a group of people who are all really together in one room with one purpose, with one thing in mind. Um, I do feel like I experienced that a few weeks ago in a beautiful way, on a larger scale than, than what we're accustomed to when I went down with Pastor John and Brother Chad and uh, Brother Gentry Jordan. And we went, and Sister Chelsea and others, we went down to the Asbury Revival. And there was this environment where we walked in the door and um, there was there was no there was no time schedule necessarily. There was no uh, clock in, clock out. You walked in the door, you found your seat when it was time to go. You left and there was not a person in that room that did not want to be there. And it was a beautiful thing. So whether it's thirteen hundred people in a room or whether it's thirteen if all of us want to be here, that's what matters. We could turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The title of my message tonight is Image. Genesis 1 and 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now one more portion of scripture I'm going to read is in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4. The Ten Commandments, you all know it well. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or the likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. Before you're seated, if we could just all one mind and in one accord, if we could all just pray. Just, just, just connect with God for a moment. Lord, I pray that you would open my eyes, Jesus, and my heart, Lord, to receive from you, Lord. God, I know that I, I don't have to be here tonight, God. We could, we could be 20 other places, but Lord, I want to be here with you, Jesus. I want to be in this room right now with other people that want to be like you, Lord, that want to that see your will happen in their life, God. God, prepare my heart and my mind to receive your word and speak through me tonight, Jesus. Oh, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise tonight. And in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. God, from the very, very beginning, has desired to dwell in perfect unity with man. He created this physical realm, I believe, so that he could have a place to put man. And he created a garden that was perfect. He created a place without flaw, without any design flaw. Everything worked together perfectly. 
Nobody had to be there to till the ground or to work the soil. Nobody had to move this or move that or do anything other than just be there. And God created this perfect place because he desired for there to be a place where he could dwell in perfect unity with man. And he created man out of the dust of the ground and he placed him in the garden and he gave him dominion and he gave him everything that he needed. If you're not familiar with the story, this is the story of the creation of man that's told in, in the beginning of this wonderful book that we call the Bible. And it's this creation story where God said, I'm going to make something that I can have relationship with that's different than everything else. He created he created the mountains and brought them out of the seas. He created the dry ground and the plants and the animals and the birds in the sky and the, the sea and the ocean and or the, the, the fish in the ocean. And, and he created all of these things. And he said, but I'm going to make something different. He, he created all that stuff with his voice. He spoke it. But he said, I've created all of this for one thing. And that's so I can come down and with my hand. I can get in the mud and in the dirt and in the dust of the ground, and I can form a man. And he breathed life into this man. This man was named Adam. Many of you have heard this story. And this man was named Adam, and he said, I, I created this perfect place for you, Adam, to come and to dwell. And I'm giving you dominion where I'm giving you control. I'm giving you all of the things that you need. I've provided food for you. I've provided shelter for you, a, a habitat where you can live and thrive and breathe and, and be here for all of eternity so that I can come. And it said that the Lord would come down physically manifesting himself. Now, we know that the Bible says that the Lord is a spirit, that God is a spirit. But he would come and he would walk physically in the garden with Adam and he would speak with him and he would spend time with him. He wanted he wanted to have a relationship with Adam. He, he desired a place of perfect unity with the man that he says, we, we read it, it says that he created this man in his image. Everything else he created to, to have its own purpose and its own thing and do its own thing and exist in its own way. But man he created in his image. Nothing else was created in the image of God. Nothing else. The, the birds and the animals and the plants. And, and we see throughout history there have been, and, and even today there are, uh, there are religions around the world that, that, that worship graven images. They create idols and they, they, they place images of these things that they worship that represent something. But that something is not the image of God. If it's a, I don't know, if it's a, 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 a statue or whatever it is, it's not the image of God. The image of God was created in a man. And later on, he goes on and he tells man, he says, I don't want you to go off and create any images of anything here on earth. And I believe that was because that he had already created that perfect image, which was in us. Can I get an amen? Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe the word of God? I know that we have so much going on in our schools. Man, I went through college. I went through uh, the, you know, the collegiate experience, and I went to biology 101 and 201 and everything, and they told me all about the, the evolution of man, and I had to sit through anthropology and listen to all of that stuff, and I gave them the test answers they wanted but laughed when they gave me the explanation because so much of it was just absolute hogwash. But anyway, it, we, we, we have all of this, this knowledge of man that, that, that says that we, you know, 
come from single-cell organisms and whatever, but I don't believe any of that. I believe what the Word of God says, and I believe that God had an intent and a purpose and a perfect plan for a man that he created out of the dust of the ground that he had a desire to have a relationship with. And he gave him dominion. Dominion is a, a, a product of perfect unity with God. When you walk with God, you have dominion. When you spend time with God, he gives you dominion. When you follow the instructions of God, he gives you dominion. He placed them in this garden. He gave them just a couple of instructions. He said, I want you to be in charge, and I want you to stay away from this one thing. And as long as that Adam and Eve would follow that and would stay in perfect unity with the will and the word and the plan of God, then they would have dominion. They would have everlasting life. They would have provision. They would have all of these things. But one day they're came down out of the heavens like lightning, it says, that he was sent out of heavens, out of the heavens. Lucifer, Satan, the devil we call him, came down and he walked in the garden. This was a fallen creation. This was a corrupted and sinful being now that has the opposite intent of what God has. And he began to talk with Eve in the garden. And in the garden, he speaks to her and he begins to surplant a a destructive idea into her mind. He begins to tell her things that are contrary to what God has told them. And he begins to sow a a lie into Eve's mind and he tells Eve, I know God told you that if you eat of that tree, then you are surely going to die. But Eve, let me tell you, I've been in heaven and I'm now on earth. And let me tell you, if you eat of that tree, you're not going to die. And he lied and Eve follows after this lie, this deception and She comes into corruption when she sins and she eats of that tree that was forbidden. And now all of a sudden in the perfect creation, in that place of perfect unity with God, there's now this thing called sin. It's the divide between God and man. It's this disruption. It it brings corruption and, and corruption is now replaced. It's now replacing dominion. Dominion or control and power. Now corruption is has replaced that. And now now what once was was feeding and, and, and supplying Adam in the place of perfect unity with God is now a place that Adam has to work and sweat and toil and he's kicked out of the garden. He he brings himself to isolation and, and all of these things. And and God his his desire hasn't changed. The desire of God has never changed. Even with the sin of man, the desire for God was to have perfect unity with man. And so he says, Adam and Eve, where are you? And Adam, I'm sure, heard God in the garden, and God knew where Adam was. He's all-knowing. But Adam needed to know where Adam was, and he's hidden himself off in the back of the garden, and he, he comes forward and he said, I've sinned, and, and, I, and I, I've, 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 I've defiled myself, and we, we saw that we were in need, so we tried to clothe ourselves. We tried to cover up what, what we couldn't pay for and what we couldn't undo. And, and God says, Adam, Adam, by the law, sin is that you, you're going to be divided from me. You're going to be cast out of this perfect unity. You're no longer going to have dominion. You're going to have to sweat and toil. And, and there's going to be pain and suffering. And you're going to have to now go out and and work the fields and till the ground, but Adam, I'll provide a way. And he covers them by giving them these clothes, right? You know the story. There's sin that has brought corruption, and disunity was the result. But God's desire has always remained 
to have perfect unity. But it's really interesting in the Old Testament, and we'll get away from the teaching in a second, but in the Old Testament we find that, that, that it says that the life is in the blood, right? And we know that the Word of God says that the wages of sin is death. And every single one of us is born into sin. Every single one of us has this over uh, this insurmountable odds against us, which is the sin that we were born into and that we have done. We've worked against God. We've gone against his word and his 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 ways. But there's a life that is in the blood. And when a lamb in the Old Testament, a literal little sheep would be brought and would be sacrificed to God in the and this had to be a perfect lamb. It had to be a lamb that was without blemish, without a scar, without anything, without a black spot. It was a perfect lamb. And that lamb would be sacrificed. And the blood of that lamb would now pay for the sins and would bring us back into perfect unity with God. And God gave Moses the tabernacle plan. This is a couple thousand years after the, the garden, and God gives Moses, this man that talks to God face to face, and he gives him this tabernacle plan, and, and Moses when, uh, brings uh, all of these pieces of furniture and this gold, and, this, and he basically creates this tent structure where God says, I still want to dwell with my people. After all these thousands of years, after all these mistakes, after all of these things, I still want to dwell with my people in perfect unity. So I'm going to give you a plan of salvation. I'm going to give you a plan on, on how you can come back into perfect unity with me, on how you can still commune with me, on how we can still converse, on how my spirit can still manifest and I can still talk to you. And so he gives him this plan and he, he, he puts up this tent and they do these sacrifices and all of these things. And through this tabernacle plan, they're, they're, the, the perfect unity between God and man is reinstated on the earth. There was this dominion that was given to man in the garden. It, it's re-given to man through the tabernacle plan. And, and, and the children of Israel can come unto God again. And they can be perfect before God again. And God, his desire never changes. And he manifests himself just like he did in the garden. And he would come and he would talk to his people. And his cloud literally would come down and would rest inside of the tabernacle. And, and they, would, they would have unity with God again. Amen. And God, uh, he, he would manifest himself literally in the form of a cloud on the mercy seat because mercy and grace are the div are, are, they, they, they bridge the gap between sin and perfect unity with God. Mercy and grace are what give us salvation. And it's the blood of the lamb that gives us access to that mercy and, the gra and grace. And when the blood of the lamb would be applied to the mercy seat, God would manifest himself. And he again would have that communion like he did in the garden. And this was, there, there came a time where King David, we're working through kind of a timeline here. Where now we're a couple thousand years later and King David is sitting in his, his big old mansion. And he's like, man, I got all of this stuff and, and I've got all of these things and all of this gold and all of this money. But the house of God is still in a tent. And he desired to give God something better than he had himself. And so David, being a man after God's own heart, comes up with this plan. And he says, I'm going to create a better place, a better place where God can dwell with us. And so he draws up these, these grandeur plans, and he wants to create a temple now, not just a tent, but a temple. And so he creates this plan. God doesn't quite let him build it, but he lets his son Solomon build it. And Solomon creates this, this temple. It takes him a long time to build, and they take all kinds of gold and silver and precious jewels and all kinds of things, and they, they create this beautiful, beautiful structure, this dwelling place for the Spirit of God, this place where God and man can meet, 
this place where God and man can once again, and it's a, it's a more perfect place than the tabernacle was. It's a, it's a more beautiful place. It, it has all of the gold. I mean, you walk in, the walls are gold. I mean, I'm telling you, the articles of furniture are worth millions of dollars today, uh, covered in gold. Everything's covered in gold. It's this beautiful, beautiful place, this beautiful physical place where the manifestation of God, where God could literally take himself and plant himself in the middle of his people and have communion again. And, 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 and this, this continued to happen for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the Spirit of God would manifest himself again on that mercy seat. And he would come and he would commune with his people. And there would be unity again like he had first intended. Because the intention of God is for perfect unity with man. And this continues on and on and on. And, and then there's this word that comes. There's these prophets that are sent of God, and they begin to speak of something different. They begin to speak of a new time that is coming, a new era that is coming, a new, a new way that God will manifest himself to his people. And, he, and they begin to prophesy of a man that is coming, and they, he becomes known as the Messiah or the Christ. And, and they, they're looking for him, and they're waiting for him, and they say, he's going to bring us what we're waiting for. And then there's this prophet that's named Joel, and he says, one day is coming. When I, and he's speaking as God would speak, when I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. In the way that God poured his spirit out in the tabernacle. In the way that God poured his spirit out in the temple. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh. And I thank God that in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51, we know that there was a man named Christ Jesus who came, and he was the perfect lamb that was brought as a sacrifice for you and I's sins, and his blood was able to pay for our for our, uh, for our sins and, and to bridge that gap. And, and what happened when he was on the cross, and he said that it is finished, there was a great earthquake, and it says that the veil that separated God and the, manif- the, the manifestation of God and man, there was, a, there was a big curtain that was separated. God wouldn't intermingle with man, but when Jesus died on the cross, it says that that veil was rent in twain. Why was it rent? Why was it ripped in half? Why was it, why was it broken? Why, was it, why, why did this happen? Because God led us into a new, a new revelation of his spirit. He says, I no longer want to be bound by the walls of a building. Come on, I no, want, I no longer want to be bound by the, by the physical place that man has placed me in. I no longer want to just dwell within four walls. Come on, this movement is not about a church building. This movement is not about a house. This, I, 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 it doesn't matter to me if the government one day comes in and takes this, takes this building from us. It does not matter to me. That does not stop the church. It's already happened around the world, and it may happen here. And if it does, God willing, we will continue, and we will move forward because the church is no longer a building. There was a more perfect temple that was created. A more perfect temple was unlocked. There was a more perfect place that now through the blood of Jesus that we can access that perfect unity. Not just one time a year. Not just in one moment when when we're in one place. Come on, I'm telling you, not just when we're here. Not just when we're walking in this building. Why is it that we get stuck to acting like we're apostolic when we're in this building? Why is it that this is the only place that we dwell in perfect unity with him? 
This is not a temple. This is not a tabernacle. This is not a place for God's spirit to dwell here and here alone. Come on. <laughs> Jesus, man, he fought this. He fought this for, for the entire time of his ministry. He would go from synagogue to synagogue, and they, they wouldn't understand what he was saying. They wouldn't understand that what he was doing. They thought he was coming to deliver them from the hands of Rome. But, in fact, he was coming to deliver them from their own sin. And I thank God that he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become his righteousness. Come on, we in here, in this very building, are now the temples of the living God. I believe it's in 1 Chronicles, and what chapter, the chapter, sorry, first, yeah, first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Manifestation happens in the temple. that happened in the temple. It happened in the place. It happened in the garden that God and man had unity together. spirit of unity in this house right now, Lord. Come on, this goes against our tradition. This goes against what we've, this, this goes against what the denominal world does. There's so many people that live it when they're in the building of the church, but they don't live it when they're outside of the church. But it was never the intention of God for us to come to a place and to be like him only when we're there. But he wants to dwell inside of you. In John chapter 1, it says, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to as many as believe on his name. Come on, we have the name of Jesus. We have everything that we need. And when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when we come into repentance, when we come to the waters of baptism, and his name is applied on us, and we declare, I believe in your name, then his spirit now can have access inside of us. And he can come in and we can be the temple of the living God. And we can, we can be the manifestation of God in this earth. It was never the intention of God to have an image other than us. I want to be the image of God. I want to be the manifestation of God. And I don't care. I don't care how much pushback I get in this world. I don't care how much pushback I get when I'm in the schools. I don't care how much pushback I get amongst my peers. I want to be the image of God. I want to be the person that, that I want to be that person that
that when somebody comes to me, they can say there's something different about you. It's because my identity has been changed. My, my, my life is different. I don't walk the same. I don't talk the same. I don't act the same. I don't dress the same because I'm in perfect unity with my God. I don't have corruption anymore. I'm taking off the corruptible and I'm putting on the incorruptible. my whole life, my whole life I have desired. My grand, I watched my grandparents live just for 90 years. My grandpa just turned 90. And he lived with nearly his whole life. My, my grandmother has her entire life from her birth. She's lived this. She's desired this. She's, <laughs> come on, we were born out of a movement that happened in a, in a little tiny building that started with just a couple people that were all in one mind and in one accord. And they said, I want God to manifest himself in me like, they, like he did in them. I want to see a manifestation of God unlike anything else. Come on, we were, we were not born out of scheduling and programming. We are not a movement that is born out of a church building. We are not a movement that is born out of programming and, and a schedule and whatever. And I thank God for all that. And we need it in this good structure. But that's not where we were born and that's not where we're going. We're going to a place where there is going to be an authentic move of God, an authentic manifestation of God. He's supposed to be manifesting in us. We're going to see signs. And Why do you think it is that, that he said that these signs shall follow them? that believe because in, like he manifested himself in the temple he's going to manifest himself in this temple right here I don't have to worry I don't have to wonder I don't have to, to think about all the things in my past because when I was made reborn in him I now can be the manifestation of God I can now be the image of God he desires this for every single one this movement was born in a true, authentic manifestation of a spirit-led movement. It was a spirit-led thing. It was the spirit of God that, that weighed on people's minds to go here and to go there and to, to do this and to do that. And I, have a, I, I pray that we see the day when we can break out of our box where we can break out of the mentality that I'm only apostolic in the church building, that I that I can't pray outside of there unless my pastor's with me. Come on. I pray that we would break out of the mentality that we are that we're some sort of pretty Pentecostal when we're in here. I pray that I could break out of out of a mentality that I'm only Christian when I'm here, but that I could be the manifestation to God and to my world. Tabernacle was being dedicated. 
and uh, they go through and they anoint each article of furniture. They they put the oil on on this and on that, and and, and at the end of it, there's a manifestation. That's a big word, and I'll, I'll explain it to some of you in one moment. It's where God literally reveals Himself. He he creates Himself and turns an idea into reality. And and when they're in the temple, they're they're anointing. They're putting oil on this and on that. And at the end of it, the cloud descends on the temple. I've literally seen that cloud. I've literally been in here, in this room, me and Pastor Dylan one night praying after we just baptized a, an elderly man who had been believing this for years and years and years but hadn't received the Holy Ghost. And he received the Holy Ghost and we baptized him. And um, afterwards we stayed and we prayed in a literal cloud. Call it whatever you, I, I believe it was a glory cloud. Literally up here you could see the smoke and the haze that was floating above it. And I was, I remember being a, a kid and, and there was a, an evangelist that came in and, and, and a, a man at the end of service said, did anybody else see that cloud? And I said, no, I remember going up to Chicago one time and uh, Brother Lee Stone King was preaching. And I remember thinking like, do they have a fog machine on? Like what is happening? Because there's some kind of a cloud. And Sister Chelsea, you, you said that you saw angels that night. And I believe that the glory of God can still manifest himself to us and that he still will. And I believe that there is nothing more important than getting in the glory of God. I believe that there's nothing more important than having the manifestation of God in our lives. And this glory cloud came down on the tabernacle of Moses. And it said that Moses could not even stand to go in the tabernacle. He couldn't even go in. There's another, the, there's the account of the dedication of the temple. That was the tabernacle, but the dedication of the temple, there's a, there, there's the telling of that, I believe, in, in Second Chronicles chapter 5. It, it says that, and they were all in one accord and in one place, and they came together, and they began to worship, and they began to shout, and the, the trumpets were blowing, and they were singing, and it was like, and it says, and it, as if they were all one voice, or if they were, as if they were all one sound, and they were in perfect unity with each other. And the cloud came down, and it filled the temple, and it said that they could not even stand to minister. I personally believe that it, that the biggest thing that gets in the way of the manifestation of God in our lives is the lack of anointing and the lack of unity. The lack of consecration and the lack of unity. Why do you think that after 40 days of fasting and consecration and, and devoting ourselves to time and prayer, why do you think that's when the miracles happen here? Because that's when we're all unified in one mind and in one accord after the same purpose. And we've consecrated ourselves. We've separated ourselves. Come on, Brother Aaron Bounds preached something that, that shook me to my core, that we don't know how to balance media, and it's so true. I believe that the only thing standing between us and the manifestation of God in our lives and in our schools, in our youth group, and in, in each of us individually, is if we would just if we would just put more time into consecration, if we would just put more more of our time into prayer and into fasting, and if we would get unified and quit and quit fighting over the dumb stuff. Quit fighting over the little things. Quit, quit, quit arguing over the things that don't really matter. If you've got something between you and somebody else that you can't say to them, 
not something you shouldn't say to them, but something you can't say to them. That's a problem. And we need to, come on, we're not, we are not a, 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 we are not a, a parceled up group. This is not a church of cliques. This is not, this, there's no in group here. There's no, there's no person with favor. We are all one. We are, there's nobody that gets favoritism here. Come on. Do we believe this? Everybody has the same opportunity to meet with God and to meet with each other. I love each and every one of you. I believe in all of you. And if and, and we have different uses and different ministries and different and different things, but that doesn't mean that the eye is better than the ear. That doesn't mean that the finger is better than the foot. It doesn't matter that one it doesn't mean that one part is different from the other. We are the body of Christ together. And we need to be unified in one mind and in one accord. And I believe that if we would get together in unity, that we would see a manifestation of God that would be unprecedented compared to anything in our past. I believe that we would begin to see revival break out in your school. I believe it would happen in your school. I believe it would happen in your life. I believe that we could see manifestation. Oh, I believe miracles, signs, and wonders are coming. I believe there's manifestation coming. I believe we're a people that are unified in one vision. But how willing are we, how hungry are we to be made into his image? How much does it burn in me that my life at times doesn't look like his? How much does that matter to me? I'm about this far away from fed up with sports. Not because not because y'all fight about who's team is better or not or whatever. But we spend more time, guys, knowing the stats of our favorite team. I, I'm not against it. I'm not, I'm not against it as a whole, but I'm against it if it's, if it's more important to you than getting in the Lord. If you can rattle off more names of people in the NFL than you can rattle off names of people in the Bible, there's a problem. If we spend more time on social media than we spend in the word of God and on our face and speaking to him and praying for others. If we, if we can't miss a tweet from our favorite celebrity, we can miss an opportunity to minister to a broken heart. If I'm not moved to emotion when I come to service, but I'm moved to emotion when the other team gets a touchdown, there's a problem. The issue is not the desire of God. The issue is not even the hunger of people. The issue is our willingness to dedicate and to consecrate and to set the, set the plate aside, set the phone aside, I know I'm preaching when it's snowy outside and, and I'm preaching on things that, that, that aren't fun to preach about. But come on, I, I don't want to be part of a dead and dry church. I want to be part of a church that is hungry for a move of God. And if it's us 25 and no more, I don't even care. I just want a move of God. I just want a move of God. I just want a move of God. I just want manifestation in my life. I just want to, to do miracles, signs, and wonders in my life. 
not enough to come and speak in tongues on Sunday. Speaking in tongues is nothing more than the evidence of his spirit being in you. Why don't we exercise the other gifts? Why don't we go after the other gifts? Why don't we prioritize the other things? Why can we go months and months and months without a prophetic word? I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking individually. Why can we go so long without hearing from the voice of God? We're satisfied with just a touch. God never intended for his spirit to only dwell in Jerusalem. From the beginning, he desired perfect unity between God and man. Does anybody want this more than once a week? Does anybody desire this in their heart? Is anybody willing to sacrifice? Do we have any young men that are willing to set aside their desires for the kingdom? Do we have any young lady that will say, I'll take time and pray? Do we have anybody, do we have any parent in here that will say, I'll set aside what I do on the weekends so that I can, I can get my kid in this thing, so I can get them dedicated to this thing? something a little bit out of the ordinary. We can't do normal service and do time. We're going to do something out of the ordinary. Is everybody coming to church? There's one obvious difference between us and the rest of creation. And I believe that this is an element that uh, exists that is a part of our expression of the image of God. We can speak. God spoke creation into existence. Nothing else can speak words. Nothing else can express ideas. Nothing else can express thoughts for the future. Everything else lives and exists right here, right now, right where it is. What's in front of it, that's what matters. But you and me have a voice. The greatest tool that the enemy uses against
at your school that you think are unfavorable, those ladies that you think are evil, the more you speak that, the more it's true. The more that you speak, I, I've never been anything for the kingdom other than somebody who sits on a pew. The more that you speak that, the more that it's true that you are. We are the people of the name and our What is it that you've been speaking? Have you been speaking, oh, I'm just too tired. I'm just too wore out. I'm just too busy. I'm just too distracted. It just, just feels too good. I can't give that thing up. It just feels too good. What are you speaking? Coming out of your mouth. Are you speaking provision? If you're not careful, you can let others speak into you. Are they speaking into you life, peace, joy? Are they speaking into you death? It is words that cause Eve to fall. I think our mouths are one of the greatest tools that we take for granted. Thank you, Jesus. Titus, I'll come up to the front because I want us all to be unified for a minute. Why don't we take one more step? Could we all, could we all join hands and shoulders and whatever you want to do? Let's all just join together. Let's be unified. distracted not be not be thinking about what's going on outside not be thinking about what's going on at home but I want you to think about the person to your left and the person to your right how much they mean to you how important they are to you and if it's somebody you don't know maybe it's time that they become important to you I want us to speak into our futures for a moment. I wish that we would see manifestation of God in our lives, whether that's the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, faith, kindness, patience, goodness, all those things. Or whether it's the gifts of the Spirit, the working of miracles, whatever it would be. 
can we just speak into each other for a moment? Could we let ourselves be the mouthpiece of God? Could we let our minds be made unified with His and say, Lord, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a light into my, to the darkness in my world. Oh God, I pray provision over every household. I pray provision over every person, God. God, I pray that we would get a desire to be more like you, Jesus, unified in one mind, in one accord to reach the lost, Jesus. Oh, God, that you would do something in us. God, that you would shake us, Jesus. God, that there would be a desire birth in me, Jesus, not to see how close I can get to the world, but to see how close I can get to you, Jesus. God, make me into your image, Jesus. Make me like you, Jesus. you to really pray for somebody right now. Pray for some needs right now. Begin to speak it. Begin to see that perfect unity. Oh, how good and how lovely it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. God is man Christ Jesus was unified with you. Let us be unified together with you, Jesus. For a minute, can you speak into their future? Oh, for a minute, can you speak some some faith over them where there might be doubt? Can you speak provision over a need? Can you allow God to use you? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? somebody else to pray for adults if you can come pray for some of these some of our youth some of our students come on God's moving on some of them 